0: Welcome to Podcast Hackers, the show for podcasters, by podcasters. Here, each episode, you'll hear from the best and brightest podcasters and learn how they're growing their audience, monetizing their shows, and making an impact through podcasting. And now, your host, Craig Hewitt.
1: All right. Welcome back to another episode of Podcast Hackers. We're starting off a new season here. We had a bit of a hiatus, but have a really great guest on for our first episode of this new season, Matt Medeiros. Matt, how are you doing? Great. thanks for having me. No, it's my pleasure. You know, Matt and I, I guess we've known each other for a few years, kind of in the internet podcasting WordPress world. And yeah, we're just going to be kind of chatting through a lot of those things today. You know, I think that a lot of it is changing, right? WordPress with WordPress 5.0 just came out. A few weeks ago at this point. And I think, you know, everyone in the podcasting space is seeing that things are changing pretty rapidly just with the adoption of podcasting and the breadth of content that is being published out there. And yeah, just I'm excited to kind of get a chance to chew the fat a bit about this.
0: Yeah the the change of WordPress has been the story arc. Not to not to get into plugging my own stuff already Craig but you know. <laughs> the, <laughs> but come on. No. <laughs> the the story arc of my podcast for this season has been that change. Both literally for the software itself with 5.0 and Gutenberg and the new editing experience and then figuratively in the in the business and marketplace. A lot of folks have, you know, seen business shift quite dramatically with the introduction of these tools and and WordPress itself. Page builders and, and whatnot getting a lot easier and a lot more affordable, seeing sort of the lower end of the spectrum dry up, and, and and quite frankly, being nearly you know 15 years old now, people looking for just new tools and say you know now's the time to to start changing direction, and and that's a lot of the discussion that I've had more recently.
1: Yeah. So for folks who. I guess for folks who don't know you, Matt, do you want to give kind of an overview of kind of who you are and what you do in the the podcasting and WordPress world?
0: Yeah, sure. So, I mean, the short of it is, you know, growing up all my life in sales, my family used to own a car dealership. I sort of grew up in that ecosystem and then went to college, studied computer networking, computer information systems, things like that. I got a job at a local ISP where I became product manager and sort of explored the new ways of open source tools. This is now at this point, again, maybe about 15 years ago, where just sort of exploring open source. And that's how I discovered WordPress. When I sort of exited that company, I started a digital agency with my father. He was selling out of the car business and he was starting a digital agency, actually really starting to be, he was a pro photographer. He was just doing that as a hobby. And then one day somebody said, hey, you took some great photos of our products. Do you know anybody that can build a website? And then that's where I came in because I was managing, you know, web developers at the at the ISP. I was getting out of that business. I had discovered WordPress at the time. And I said, yeah, well, I don't know. Let's just dabble in this thing called WordPress. Figure it out, right? <laughs> yeah, figure it out sell it and sold the site. And we started building an agency around that point. Fast forward up until now, sort of the agency is still running. I've sort of stepped out of that role and focused much more on doing podcasting, content creation. And I am now helping out the sales team over at pagely.com where we do manage WordPress hosting for bigger business and enterprise and things like that. So trying my my hat at the next chapter of my life in that realm.
1: Yeah, cool, cool. So I think it gives a nice kind of context of where you come from when we talk about things like WordPress 5.0 and Gutenberg and things like that. You mentioned from the sort of like technology and business perspective that things are changing rapidly in the WordPress world. Obviously, kind of, you know, this show being brought to everyone by Castos and Seriously Civil Podcasting, this is something that's kind of near and dear to to my heart. But even for you know, consumers and users of WordPress that aren't on the business side of things. Can kind it of give a sense of, you've been in WordPress for a pretty long time now, give a sense maybe for some of the things that you're seeing out there that folks generally should kind of be aware of and the good or the bad sense, I guess.
0: Yeah. You mean from the business owner's perspective, right? Like, yeah, just the, even someone like yourself. Environment changing. And what does that mean for everybody? Yeah. So I think the biggest challenge for WordPress, if, I mean, if you're not a developer and, and you're just a, maybe like a service provider or a consultant or even an end user, there's always been this branding problem with WordPress, right? If you went out into the street and asked somebody, Hey, do you know this thing called WordPress? Chances are, people don't know it, though it does power you know over thirty percent of the modern web. But the people who are starting to explore it—business owners, entrepreneurs, people that have heard it at you know local business events, things like that—they're unsure of you know what WordPress.com is, what WordPress.org is. If I get this WordPress.org thing, how do I set it up? I, I heard I can control my website myself. But then you get into the weeds and you're like, wow, I need like a PhD in order to understand this. And I'm a business owner, I don't have time. So then other platforms like a Squarespace or a Wix, they just look more attractive, you know, to folks who just don't have the time or, or the wherewithal to really dig down. I love WordPress because it is flexible. You can build a business off of it. You can go anywhere you want with it. But the most underlining important thing to me is you own it. It's yours. It's not a platform play. You know the, the most obvious thing is when folks started investing all of their time and effort into Facebook pages. Remember that about six years ago when it was oh, like yeah. Facebook pages and everybody needs to like your Facebook page and you can reach this audience. Here we are You know, now in 2019, you get 2% of your audience. And if you want to reach people, you have to pay for it. Yeah. That is not the case with your own platform. It's why I'm such a huge proponent of it. But all of that sort of unravels into this challenge of, you know, what is WordPress? How do I use WordPress? There's so many plugins for me to use and so many themes that the experience becomes fragmented. And the example I like to share is it's like iOS and Android, right? I mean, Android has all of these vendors and and all these phones, and Apple just has, you know, six, and it just comes from Apple. You can't get a Samsung iPhone, but you can get this variety of Android, which leads to this fragmented experience. Android always has a different look and feel across many different brands and carriers. And that's sort of like what WordPress has built itself up to. Because you can go and be as super flexible and get all of these themes and plugins, uh, people generally experience WordPress in many different ways. And the usability, of course, becomes you know a bit staggered at that point. So the recent change, WordPress 5.0, coming with this new editing experience called Gutenberg, is in my theory an attempt to streamline that experience it's going to take some time to get there it's kind of very rough around the edges not kind of rough it is rough still Mm -hmm. but it is an approach and is an attempt to say okay instead of looking at the square spaces and the wix's of the world. Let's just have this core experience of building out pages and content with WordPress in a seamless, you know, Lego block building like way, which makes sense. But there's still a lot of work to do and a lot of things to come, you know, in this year and in the next, yeah. according to leadership.
1: Yeah, yeah. You mentioned, you know, previously page builders, so Elementor and Beaver Builder and or some of the the more common bigger ones out there, I think. Sure. And Gutenberg seeming, you know, the Gutenberg editor being block-based and things like that seeming to try to get into this space a little bit. Do you think that the goal with Gutenberg and the new editor is to compete directly with front-end page builders like Beaver Builder and Elementor, or are they to be used together, you think?
0: It's still very early on to tell my theory, and it's might not be the most popular theory, although it is in some, in some <laughs> circles, depending on, on where you fly, you know, I think it is. Look, this podcast itself competes with Netflix, competes with YouTube everybody is competing with one another in some degree or fashion for time and attention and awareness. And you'd be foolish to think, or Matt Mullenweg and the leadership of WordPress would be foolish for us to think that there is no competition here. They need people using Gutenberg in order to, one, increase the use of WordPress, make it easier, and effectively feed a proper premium channel, which is Jetpack. In the beginning, you know, this next year is probably just a runway of compatibility, right? Use Gutenberg in this scenario, but then use page builders in this other scenario. My friend Robbie McCullough of Beaver Builder recently interviewed at WP Tavern. And he's going to focus on the higher end of the market, which I think makes sense. You'll always have somebody out there, especially with the target of WordPress so broad that there will be power users out there, there'll be enterprise users out there, there'll be consultants out there that will never want to do it the Gutenberg way because Mm -hmm. it just doesn't make sense for them and their business model. So enter in a Beaver Builder, enter in an Elementor. But WordPress Automatic and the core contributors of WordPress, they need to streamline this experience. They need to pull the attention away from those builders so that people aren't getting fragmented. And that's the sort of weird open source WordPress dilemma is these things are innovative. And I'd even argue to say that, hey, maybe Matt and Automatic should have acquired one of these page builders to jettison themselves a little bit quicker to the top of page builders and technology instead of building things from scratch. You know, like they did with WooCommerce when they needed Mm e-commerce. They just went out and they bought WooCommerce. You know, that would be my own theory on that. So I think that there will be a world, they'll have to be a world where they live together really well. But my theory is that in a year's time, in two years' time, the user experience is going to be so pure Gutenberg that the entry level user isn't going to need to look for Elementor and Beaver Builder, which is a scary proposition for those businesses. Yeah. And other plugins in the space, not just page builders. Contact forms, e-commerce, plugins, things like that. Podcasting plugins. Yeah. Podcasting <laughs> plugins, right. I mean, Gutenberg yeah. intro is a uh, podcasting block. How do you fight for that attention? So yeah. it's going to be interesting yeah. for sure. And and we all have to be smart about it.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, we, you know, we look at, at Castos, we look at, you know, where serious and podcasting fits in with the Gutenberg kind of new world. And right now feel really good about it. You know, we say we feel like that's definitely compatible with all the latest versions of WordPress. We are building a block to make kind of the dynamic content available within the Gutenberg editor and are are trying to go down that road as well. Interestingly, though, in the middle of last year, we're looking at how can we make an integration with something like Beaver Builder or Elementor and still may look at doing that. But I think from a business perspective and just usage perspective, everyone is getting Gutenberg now. Not everyone is getting, you know, Beaver Builder Elementor. So I think that for us, that's where we're going to focus some of our development resources here in the near term is to say, why don't we help as many people as we can with a cool thing for Gutenberg. The folks that are using something like Beaver Builder, Elementor can maybe get something down the line, but that's probably not going to come right away for us.
0: Yeah. No, it makes sense. It, it definitely makes sense for sure. I was actually having this, oddly enough, having this discussion, I forget with whom I was having this discussion with, but podcasting services, not to not to just you know fly your flag on your own show, of course, but people need to make serious, you know, have a serious thought on where they host their podcasting files, because, you know, it's unlike web hosting, which you can move pretty easily, I'd say, Mm -hmm. I don't want to move around my podcast, right? I don't want my podcast files to become platformized. Is that even a word? Yeah. Hmm turned into a platform. And that's the big win for you is even if you stick with just Gutenberg and never go to a Beaver Builder or an Elementor, your selling point is, especially when Automatic enters into their podcasting block or audio block, whatever they call it, it's, you know, your files are safe with you. Your stats Mm -hmm. are safe with you. And that's the big selling point that a lot of us are going to have to fight. It's going to be less about the bells and whistles of the blocks and much more of like, hey, you can rely on our service. We have the best stats. We have the best service, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, very interesting. Thank you. The cat so Matt, you've been podcasting for The Matt Report for how long? I know I've been listening for several years at this point.
0: So it's 2019, I think. It's about six years now.
1: Okay. Well, that's
0: two eternities
1: in the podcasting yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like dog years or whatever, right? Yep. So your podcast, The Matt Report, is all about kind of WordPress and business, right? Sure. Yep. How have you seen podcasting change, well, let's say, in the last year or two? Because mm. I think that a lot of people that listen to this show, show or it getting into podcasting kind of relatively recently. And so they want to kind of take a more near-term perspective of kind of where things have come from to maybe get a perspective of where they're going. Sure,
0: And it's staggering that people are like finally getting into it, right? Yeah. It's like, man, yeah. this has been around forever. I just checked my first show was October 11th, 2012. So just over six years. I mean, more specifically, like if I were to look at the WordPress space, I know probably maybe not a lot of people listening to this show listen to WordPress specific podcasts, but there's a ton, which is pretty fun and quite telling at the same time. You'd figure for such a small audience, the amount of shows is quite staggering. It's funny, I also launched a local podcast where I I highlight entrepreneurship in my local community. I do a lot of mentoring in the local community. And again, my roots in the agency, we did a lot of service business in the local community. And I'm still shocked that at the local level, there's still a lot of people that don't listen to podcasts. I think that's the most shocking thing still to me is with all of the high production stuff out there, serial you know, recently listening to Wolverine, which was produced by Marvel and Stitcher Radio. With all of the high production stuff out there, it still hasn't caught on to a lot of folks. And when I look at the stats of the local podcast, it's still a lot of people just playing it in the browser, right? Or asking me questions like, how do I get this on my phone? Mm. And that still shows me that there's still some great opportunity here. You know, from the producing standpoint, right? From the creator standpoint, I guess I should say, it's great to see a lot of people dive in to doing podcasting, but if Few things bug me for somebody who's you know when I started my podcast I used to walk to school <laughs> you know kind of thing <laughs> people you know start up podcasts but it's not really into it and I guess that's okay I was having this same discussion the other day as well like people create podcasts they hear it's a great marketing channel they hear it's a great networking channel and it is. But a lot of people are just creating these things just for that, just to scratch that itch, which I guess isn 't bad, but for me it 's like you have to care a little bit about you know the guests that you 're having on and the content you 're producing and the audience that you 're reaching and a lot of people aren 't prepared to make that kind of commitment, and I guess that 's just the way it is the good ones survive and, and the mediocre ones sort of just die off but as easy as it is with all the tools that we have, with all of the you know, as easy as like your plugin and Castos makes it to host these things, you should still take some time and go at this with some care and be ready for you know the journey of podcasting. It can it can be daunting mm. at times, but it's still a lot of opportunity. And it's crazy to say that in 2019. Yeah, and my God, if you listen to like Gary Vaynerchuk, if you haven't started a podcast already, like what are you doing? <laughs> you know, because if he were in front of you, he'd be yelling at you.
1: Yeah, we tell people all the time, like you kind of miss the boat. On the early adopter, you know, high growth curve, but it's much better to start today than to start next month or next year or whatever because yeah. people are still coming in in droves. I mean, we see. People starting new podcasts is the majority of the people coming into into, you know, our plug and, and our business. And I mean, that's that's astonishing, I think, for as it's funny, as mature as I think podcasting is. But then you talk about in your local community and the stats from the big kind of ad agencies say that forty percent of the American public have ever listened to a podcast. Mm -hmm. Then you look at like how many listen on a regular basis and the number goes down to something absurd, probably like 20%.
0: Right. Imagine when like cars and transportation get, you know, internet connectivity at affordable prices, you know, in in a few years where it's much more common that your vehicle is connected. And, you know, where I live, a lot of people commute to Boston and it's like a two, three hour commitment Mm. one way, right? Never mind coming back. You're in the car. Some folks... Traveling to Boston five six hours a day every day once it's Wi Fi connected and it's just much more easier to tune in. Of course, you have your phone, but sometimes you're not even interested in doing that. I think it's going to be even greater consumption when cars are much more connected.
1: Okay, so that was my
0: next question. Is I,
1: I kind of I have my thoughts on why the kind of adoption curve of podcasting has been relatively flat. You're saying you think it's because from a technology perspective, it's still really hard to listen to podcasts.
0: So there's that. Yeah. I mean, I I would say yes, you know, getting onto these platforms, creators out there to get onto these platforms, you know, a music artist doesn't have to think about how do I start a radio station? (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. how do I broadcast to, you know, people in their cars? It's just there, they go there, they sell the music and the music gets broadcasted. For creators right now, it's sort of like ham radio days where you have to like build the radio, build an antenna, broadcast it, test it. That's what us, podcasters are doing along with creating the content. And so there's a little bit of the technical hurdle, both for the creator and for the listener, where do I tune in, but still it comes down to the attention and the competition Mm. and Hey, great. I'm in Spotify. Awesome. But so is my potential listeners, you know, favorite music list. So are they going to, you know, if they're at the gym, are they going to tune into my entrepreneurial podcast or are they going to be like, you know what? I just feel like listening to my favorite jams right now to get me going for this workout. Right. So we're always competing with one another. If I kick it back again to my local podcast, the interest there its I kind of like going back to local right now because I see it as a pretty big opportunity. Because if you can box out anybody, to use a sports term, if you can box out people in your market that you potentially compete with, although it might be late to the game in terms of the general internet and general consumption, if no one's doing it in your local market, well, you have an opportunity to capture that local market, which might get you greater... Recognition or better for your business or better listenership than if you try to jump into the big pool with Joe Rogan, you know, and Tim Ferriss and all these big podcasters. Yeah. I mean, it was literally a week that I launched the We Are Here podcast, which is the local podcast where people were already saying, Hey, it's Matt Madaris. He, he's that podcast guy. Like, in like one. Uh, that's great. You're not getting that from everyone else on the internet, are you? <laughs> right. I don't get that from people on the internet, right? It took me years that people would say in my local market, Oh, Matt Madaris is, he." he's a WordPress guy. Like he, if you have questions about WordPress, you go and you see Matt, which was great for the business and, and great for generally just connecting with people for online stuff. But literally within a week, people just looked at podcasting as like this thing they couldn't do. They really are unsure of it. It still looks like this big new wave. And within one week I ran into my first episode, I swear to God, I was at the coffee shop that I go to and they were like, some random person came up to me like, are you Matt from that podcast? I was like, yeah. Like, oh, I just listened to that show. This is awesome. And I'm like, how does that even happen already? Like, that Uh, doesn't happen in the internet world. But I mean, it's just one tiny, tiny sample, but it shows you how you can take this big internet thing and bring it to the local market and people are sort of like amazed by it.
1: Yeah, yeah, interesting. So this is the second time I've heard of this kind of local podcasting phenomenon, and I love it. I love the idea, I love the concept of kind of bringing something that's widely available to people all over the world into a kind of hyper-localized niche. For people who are also listening and saying, wow, this is a really great idea, what would you say to them if they're looking to get a show started? You know, we have we have a lot of churches that are kind of users of the plugin and and of the hosting platform. I think that's kind of an obvious thing of like where to focus their attention and the topic and everything. But if it's just kind of, you know, Billy Bob down the street looking to start a local podcast about whatever he's interested in, anything that you've learned along the way that you think would be kind of helpful to people looking to get into this part of podcasting specifically?
0: A few things that I've learned from the creator and more technical side is because, again, air quotes, this is new to the local market. A lot of business people that I've been interviewing are just not ready for interviewing online, right? So you're doing it locally, you're taking your rig and... So yeah, now I have decided to do things in person. So I've recorded not many shows, about maybe half a dozen or eight shows so far locally and, and doing that online, but with mixed success you know, one of the first female entrepreneurs that I interviewed, she owns a pretty successful gym and exercise. It's called Boutique Fitness. So it's like a personalized fitness program. And the first time she sat down to record, we were doing it over Skype and she was in her place, she was in her office, which was right next to the like cycling setup that she has. And all I could (laughs) hear was like music blasting, people screaming. And I'm like, uh, this is not going to work out. If I was doing something like an NPR, like highly edited show, like this would be great. But right now. Now we're going to have to, you know, reconvene and like internet issues and people with poor mics and stuff like that. So I would say number one is from what I found anyway, you might need to start more, you know, in person, grab a couple mics, grab a recorder or your laptop and do it in person. Might be kind of fun that way is is what I found. And second, really, you still have to think, okay, be a little bit aggressive and think, is somebody really going to tune into this? Like if it depends on what you're trying to achieve with said podcast, if you're just trying to have some fun with it. Well, if you're just trying to have some fun and maybe you're somebody who, you know, enjoys, I don't know, fly fishing or something like that, you might be able to have these, you know, laid back discussions with other fly fishers in your area. And it might be a great way to just meet up with people and record different, you know, tactics on fly fishing or, or what have you. And and maybe that's just enjoyable and you find a nice little audience, that's great. But if you're looking to grow business, well, that's when you really want to start to have a little bit more passion in this stuff and use all of the tools that you're at your disposal where you might, you know, record a podcast, but do like a Facebook live while you're doing it, a little behind the scenes kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's where you can really start to find new ways to promote local businesses. You know, one of the things I've done is marketing in margaritas, right? At a local Mexican restaurant, where I bring some people together, we have a couple pictures of margaritas, and we just have some business and entrepreneurial discussions. We enjoy our time, and it brings the local business some exposure. You can get creative and fun with it. I guess is what I'm saying. And those are just new ways to win new business and respect from other local entrepreneurs and business owners.
1: Yeah, man, that's that's crazy. It's got me thinking about both marketing. That marketing would be very different for a local podcast because you would do most of it offline probably, right? or maybe something like social media, but then that's easy because it's hyper targeted. You can do things like Facebook ads just to your community. And that's a lot easier than to the whole world, but also like potentially monetization and sponsorship. Mm -hmm. You know, someone's doing a local podcast, their pool of potential sponsors is the businesses or the groups in their community. And you probably already know a lot of them, right? I mean, that's just a lot less daunting than like, how am I going to get whatever gusto to sponsor my podcast, you know, just go ask the mattress store down the street or something. I mean, that's so much more tangible for everybody. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. You know, one of the, I know one of the questions you had sent me in email before we started recording was how has podcasting affected or impacted your business? I would say in the agency world, that was the greatest thing. You know, when I started podcasting specifically about WordPress, it was really to just get my name known in the WordPress community. There wasn't a real agenda to say, hey, out of these 1,000 listeners, am I converting 10% of them into services work? And I would argue that even today, again, talking before this show started recording, like, what is it that I do? Right now, I'm just a content creator and I don't really have a goal for my content other than people to at least enjoy the stuff that I put out. I'm using it to leverage opportunity in the future. If I never started the Mal Report, I would have never built an agency that would have never brought me to where I am today with Pagely and connected with you know people in the WordPress space and speaking gigs and things like that. I've never really actively tried to monetize my work. And that can be said for the same thing. If you're starting a local business, when people would come up to me in the agency, they'd say, well, why should I hire you over XYZ WordPress shop? I could always turn to say, look, I've got, you know, Two hundred episodes in iTunes of me talking about how I service clients. Go through my archive of content. Yeah. If you don't like what I am saying, then you probably shouldn't work with me. But you should listen to these two or three episodes. How I break down a project. If that's interesting to you, then we should probably work together. And my example of you know becoming the podcast guy in one week in the local community. If you're creating local content, a lot of that is just proof. Social proof. When somebody goes to hire you, they just know, like, hey, even if they don't listen to you, even if they don't listen to you, they know you've created a hundred episodes, a dozen episodes of a podcast. They know you do YouTube. They know it's there. So you sort of just kind of proven already, even if they don't listen. And that's the crazy part. People will stack you up against somebody else who doesn't, you know, put out content or bear their soul or become trustworthy. And you'll win just for putting in that extra effort.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think it's amazing. I mean, We look at sort of, you know, hiring people these days and bringing it onto our team. The concept of a resume is just completely arbitrary at this point. It's, you know, what is your open source contributions, what do they look like for a developer? For, you know, content creator, what does your blog look like? You know, for help with someone doing a podcast, I'm going to go listen to their podcast. I'm going to check out their YouTube channel and their Facebook page and Twitter. And I mean, it's really showing what real life is like for those people, for all right. of us, as right. opposed to fitting a bunch of junk that's perfectly crafted onto one piece of paper <laughs> in a resume. <laughs> right, that right. really means nothing. I mean, the real essence of what someone is is kind of what they show, right? So like, yeah, I think what you're saying is spot on. And I think that transcends not just the local environment, but like as we're all thinking about being content creators, and I love what you said about like your content doesn't have a bigger purpose other than to kind of represent who you are and what you do. That's perfect because now you can go do a lot of things with that huge library of content. You can do WordPress, you can do podcasting, you can do sales, you can do marketing, you can do, you know, team building and leadership probably at this point. And it's because you've built this bank of trust with anybody who cares to dive into your stuff. They can say, Oh, this is who Matt is and what he does and what he stands for. I probably don't even need to interview him because I can just, you know, this is what
0: it is. Right. I'm not lying. <laughs> you know, this yeah. is this is who I am. This is what I can do. And You know, I think a lot of people, this goes back to the advice I gave about, you know, wanting to start a podcast. If you're starting a podcast for just pure marketing play and and it's, you're just trying to like blueprint everything out. I mean, I guess it works for some, but it just, it shows that there's no real, you know, care here and, and the listeners will hear that. And yeah, you should just care about the content that you put out. It is the new sort of calling card, I guess. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Matt, this is great. For folks who want to kind of learn more about you
0: and get in touch, where would be the best place for them to connect? You can find everything I do at a website called com. like craft beer, com Has all my links there. And of course, my day job at pagely.com. If you're interested in any kind of high-end WordPress hosting, that's where you'll find me.
1: Awesome. Matt Medeiros, thanks so much for coming on the show today. I appreciate it. Yes, man,
0: I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to another episode of Podcast Hackers. If you liked what you heard today, please head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. This goes a long way towards helping spread the word about the show to other podcasters just like you. Until next time, happy podcasting!